Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Podcast 145, recording this on Tuesday the 7th July 2015. I'm Steve Litchfield. After an absence of a week, after an hour-long special, with me I have Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello everybody. We're back this week to discuss all the usual goings-on in the Windows Phone world. I'm sure, as always, we'll manage to divert into more general mobile and perhaps some other topics as well. But there's a, a few things to get through as we've uh, been away a little while, but we're now back to our regular schedule after all the recharging our batteries in the last week or so. Well, it's still the summer holiday season to come, Ray. We may do a little more recharging as we go. But Oh, definitely. <laughs> yes, no, there, there will be another uh, gap, you know, I guess, a month's time or so. We'll have to see how our schedules uh, permit us with recording, but we know that you like us keeping to a regular uh, schedule, and so we will endeavour to do that through the next few months, especially as there's going to be a lot of news coming up as Windows 10 for mobile gets a bit closer and new devices on the way. And I'm sure lots to talk about all around that. Yeah, absolutely. We do have an, uh, a letter in or an email from Keith Bartlett. Now, he was concerned about a specific app, but, uh, but if you're not concerned with this particular app, don't switch off because there are some valid points to be made, I think. Um, he's, he wrote into the BBC who had released a Newsbeat. Now, Newsbeat is a, sort of like a kind of a youth show um, for Android and iOS. See, they basically launched a companion applications, their Newsbeat TV and radio programs for Android and iOS, but not Windows Phone. He wrote in to complain, but this is what the BBC said. This is this David Jones, the senior product manager. In June 2015, the BBC launched a new mobile app for its youth, and that's the important thing, which I'll come back to, news service, Newsbeat, for devices running recent versions of Android or iOS. The apps follow the April launch of a redesigned Newsbeat website with a responsive layout that adapts to different mobile phone, tablet, and desktop computer screen sizes. And following these launches, Newsbeat stories can now be read on a far greater range of digital, digital devices than ever before. As part of the BBC's drive to provide digital news to 16 to 24-year-olds, we are focused on the platforms most used by our target audience, which I'll come back to. As a publicly funded organization, says David Jones, we also need to factor in how large an audience can be reached with a particular app. Every edition of an app we build carries with it a development, testing, and support cost. And you'll know all about that, Ray, of course, from your own work um, uh, stuff in London. We have therefore chosen to build native apps for Android smartphones and iPhone at the present time and have not yet developed apps for other platforms such as iPad, Kindle Fire, and Windows Phone. And he goes, blah, 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 finishing up. But the, the point is, this is an absolutely critical point, Rafe. That the whole point of uh, developing an application is you need to know who's going to use it. In this case, Newsbeat is unashamedly a, a youth thing for 16 to 24-year-olds. I would argue that the, the market share of Windows Phone in the 16 to 24-old bracket is much higher than, for example, you know, the number of 35, 40, 50-year-olds using Windows Phone. I, I've seen so many late teenagers and late teenagers using Windows phones, and comparatively few actually are using Android phones, whereas in the, you know, take a 30 to 40-year-old professional, they're almost certain to be using an iPhone or, or probably an Android, perhaps a Samsung Galaxy Note. I think the BBC have got this horribly wrong. Uh, it's an interesting one, because of course, this data isn't always very easy to come across, and uh, someone like the BBC will, of course, have their own service, but they'll also be relying on industry data from the like of GFK. And actually, particularly for the youth markets, it can be quite tricky to get hold of that data. And there's various uh, additional privacy regulation when you're looking at youth markets. And that's something I've come across 
uh, in my own line of work. But it's certainly true to say that Windows Phone has what I might describe as a, a bimodal distribution uh, in terms of the age <laughs> gap. And what I mean by that is quite a heavy emphasis around the youth. And that's really because it's strong in the low end of the market around pay-as-you-go devices. And it's also strong uh, with more experienced people, can I say, maybe at the uh, other end of the age spectrum. Yeah. Um, and again, it's about the strength of pay-as-you-go devices. And you know, young things like Steve and I, you know, are probably the exception to the Thank rule. You. You know. um, but yeah, I think it's an important point here that perhaps the BBC are misjudging it slightly. I mean, to be fair, I think even with the boost that Windows Phone gets there, you know, we talk about 10% market share in the UK. That's actually more around uh, you know, the devices being sold each month and just about caught up with that now in terms of the install base. I think the kind of the bump that you get from that bimodal distribution might make it to 20%. I would suspect it's actually fairly similar between iOS and Windows Phone in that youth demographic. I don't have any numbers to back it up that I can talk about uh, sort of publicly. Uh, but I would uh, wonder whether the kind of app usage is then a little bit different. Uh, typically, we see that iOS users use more apps than anyone else and spend more time in apps. So I can understand where the BBC is, is coming from. And certainly, I don't think anyone would complain if it was kind of the whole audience you are going to kind of do probably Android first and iOS second if you're looking to reach the maximum number of users. And that's obviously part of the BBC charter. For those who don't know, the BBC public broadcaster kind of is obliged uh, through law to kind of uh, reach as many people as possible and try to be um, unbiased and try to be objective in the way it kind of makes these decisions around distribution. And uh, in the past, we've had exactly the same issue happen around BBC iPlayer was prioritised for iOS and Android. Um, and then... You know, we've also had to do the same in some of the responsive sites. And to be fair to the BBC, their responsive sites do a great job of making this content available everywhere. Uh, but I think it's fair to say the Windows Phone apps have generally been second-class citizens. I mean, one of the reasons for this is that the BBC has chosen to do most of the app development through a hybrid approach. It's kind of using web technologies to build a lot of its apps, including news and sport. Uh, and actually, those which are available on Windows Phone are, are done in the same way, including iPlayer. Uh, I haven't actually looked at Newsbeat on Android or iOS, but I wouldn't be surprised if the same approach has been taken. And so actually, the cost of adding that third platform isn't as significant as it would be from creating a, a native app from scratch. And so I, you know, I think the BBC has to be careful here. I think perhaps it's just taking a look at probably too generic data or maybe it's based it off usage data of existing apps, which of course would would be biased in favour of um, Android and iOS. So yeah, I absolutely agree with the point you're making, Stephen. I think it'd be really interesting if we could get a deep dive into that kind of data to understand exactly what the position is. Uh, but it's certainly true to say that different segments of the market have very, very different device ownership um, and you know, we see that between different countries as well. Uh, and sometimes, you know, Windows Phone is probably written off before it should be. Um, another great example is actually the Italian market where um, Windows Phone has actually been selling well for quite some time. And actually, it's significantly ahead of uh, iOS in terms of uh, handset sales. In terms of actual usage, it's not that different because, again, as I said earlier, iOS has a kind of inherent advantage. It's a high-end device. People typically use more apps and are using their phone a bit more. Um, but, but, you know, when you're looking at something like the youth market, which, as you say, tends to be the cheaper handsets, you know, it is a kind of a choice between Android and, and Windows Phone. I guess it would take a very brave person, the BBC, to say, no, we're not going to do iOS when that's kind of 
still held up as being the most important app platform and the most important smartphone. But uh, I wonder if if it really was about maximizing reach, perhaps uh, Windows Phone and Android would have been the sensible choice here. I'm going to let myself off a little bit and say I think probably iOS is still there simply because, as I say, the app usage uh, data is actually a bit different. So we have to be careful to draw a distinction between kind of the size of the population and what that population actually does. And as I say, I think we see a lot of the time Windows Phone app users are actually somewhere in between Android and iOS in terms of the amount of time they spend in apps and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's still a very interesting question. And I actually feel at the levels it's now at, um, it's very difficult for an organization like the BBC to say, no, we shouldn't do a Windows Phone app. Uh, but of course, it becomes very difficult when you're prioritizing investment. You know, do you do three apps or what about that fourth one? You know, what size of market share is too small for you to not have to support? You know, when does it switch over? Is that 5%, 10%, 20%? Yeah. And is it for your target audience or is it for the global numbers? Uh, and getting hold of that data that's reliable and accurate is difficult. And of course, it changes all the time. You know, we're seeing uh, Windows Phone ownership, for example, in the UK is, is on an upward trend. iOS is actually on a slight downward trend and Android has become almost all dominant. So, you know, the lazy person might say, actually, just do the Android app. That's all you need. And you're going to reach probably 80% of your audience that way, particularly for this uh, Newsbeat app. But yeah, really interesting email. And thanks to Keith for sharing it because it actually highlights an important issue. Uh, and I really think, especially for something that's so fundamental, like access to a public sector broadcaster, I, I really think more effort should be put into mobile apps because that's going to be for a lot of people and particularly the young demographic is going to be the primary way they interact with that broadcaster. It's not going to be through TV. It's, it may be through catch up, but certainly apps uh, and uh, you know, mobile web are absolutely essential. Yeah, I thought it was interesting there that you mentioned 20% as perhaps the the market share in the, the, the youth demographic. As I did some back-of-the-envelope calculations myself for a couple of days ago, and I came up to that exact same figure. Interesting. And I, and I reckon that 20% is is the point at which uh, a big company should start to take development for a particular platform seriously. Now, as you rightly pointed out, they couldn't drop iOS because so many of the people on the board of directors and all the young professionals <laughs> at the BBC, I bet half them use use iPhones. They want to see the their own content on their own phones. But if you'd said to them uh, in the boardroom or in the in the planning meetings, you know, we've got a limited development budget, but uh, Windows Phone in our demographic is 20% of the market. One-fifth of all the mobile users accessing our content will be running Windows Phone. I think that 20% figure would have made a difference. I think they were just looking at, I don't know, some global market share figure of 5% and thought, hey, we don't have any Windows Phones around here. We won't bother. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, those kind of decisions get made quite early on in projects and they can be hard to justify spending money on getting hold of the data around um, kind of device ownership which can be quite expensive and quite often companies will rely on sort of analog so for example they might look at the number of people accessing a website which is actually a pretty good um, metric to use but again actually in the youth market it's kind of an interesting one because not everyone will necessarily be going through a web browser because of the limitations around data. That then does tend to have an impact on apps of, as well, of course. Uh, but yes, it's a, an interesting one. And it's certainly, to me, this one feels like a short-sighted uh, decision. I'm trying to be as reasonable as possible. And obviously, you know, we're a Windows Phone podcast, so we do favor that. But um, you know, this is an issue that I think is going to come up more as Windows Phone grows, and particularly in markets like the UK and France and Italy, where it's actually at a, a substantial level. You know, 
for these companies where mobile is the most important way they interact with consumers, and you can talk about banking apps as another great example, um, or airline apps or something like that, actually, you know, writing off 10% of your customer base, that's a pretty significant decision to make or, or 20% or whatever, you know, it, it happens to be. Um, so you know, it, it's actually gone past that point about, you know, you can afford to ignore Windows Phone altogether. It's certainly becoming a lot more critical. And I do agree with you, actually. 20% is probably the figure where it becomes a very easy decision. I guess the trouble for Windows Phone at the moment is to sort of, um, if you look at the UK market specifically and looking generally, it's floating between those two. Uh, and, you know, this Newsbeat app is actually probably an example where they've got the decision wrong, in my view. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned we're a Windows Phone podcast. Of course, we're soon to become a Windows 10 mobile podcast. Indeed. <laughs> or indeed, just all about Windows for phones, which is what I've been saying in uh, various comments. Um, no, just on a slinky link there to Windows 10 mobile has hit build 10149. And this was about um, about a week or so ago. And I've been running it on several devices here. And it has been pretty stable and pretty smooth. Um, the main improvements are, well, it's obviously faster and smoother. There's less debug code in there. Um, the store issues that many of us have been having are not completely gone. There are still a few issues, some of the old Nokia applications I noticed, but mo on the whole, most things now install and update properly. Um, Project Spartan is now called Microsoft Edge, and it's a lot better, including the the address bar being down at the bottom, which is where all of us wanted it in the first <laughs> place. <laughs> um, Action Center, you can now expand to four lines of tiles. That's it's kind, of, kind of useful, and uh, having a d double swipe down, kind of Android-like, really, and it will works really, really rather well. Um, but there's the automatic camera roll to OneDrive is now back. Of course, this used to work on <laughs> Windows Phone 8.1s. They're, they're backfilling functionality in some cases. There's the vestiges, if I may use that word, or the, the beginnings of printing control. Uh, we're seeing in the Office preview applications, and I'm assuming that proper print um, setup will happen in the settings app in the next build. Podcast now works again. A lot of bugs fixed, especially in Outlook, Outlook Mail. So there's a lot to be a cherry about Rafe, but one big caveat and this may apply to you if you haven't actually updated all your devices yet is that i completely and utterly recommend a factory reset i uh, go into um, settings system about and then reset your phone after you've done the update if you try and update in place things will go wrong you will see glitches i have had all sorts of troubles you do the update that's fine with all your data in place but you've done your backup you've done your syncs then you do a factory reset and then you um, build up by resyncing data, by reinstalling apps from scratch. Don't try and restore a backup from a previous device. Now, I would expect that from the next build onwards, we can start restoring backups. I think things are starting to settle down. But I will, of course, re report back in the main news stories. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, interesting. This build, there are a number of issues listed on the Microsoft site and, um, where the install button doesn't appear after you've downloaded the build. And I actually had this one. Um, and you have to actually make sure your battery's over 40%. Took me a while to actually uh, sort that one out. And <laughs> I need to get this onto my uh, main device so I start using a bit more day-to-day. Uh, -day. But uh, I would pick out a few things. The the, the browser one where I went, woohoo, is actually what we talked about on the podcast. So just to really highlight that one. Um, actually, on the Action Center, it's kind of a tiny thing, but it's a sort of thing that speaks towards suddenly think about it as a mobile device, and that's the addition of a, a torch or a flashlight functionality where you can just very easily turn on the LED flash from the, the camera. You know, it kind of, there are things probably 150, probably even more apps to do that in the store. And it seems, you know, sort of not to have that kind of functionality uh, easily accessible on this, uh, on, on the bar there. So I really like that as well. 
And as you said, there's uh, quite a few cosmetic improvements. I think things like the browse bar at the bottom and actually some of the changes in apps, it speaks towards the kind of the user interface and the look and feel starting to be tuned to running on a phone, whereas before it was kind of inheriting things from uh, Windows 10 desktop, kind of the, the design language there. And so they're starting to think about optimizing it for phones and I think this, if anything, is probably slightly better on the smaller screen devices where we've talked in the past about how uh, Windows 10 for mobile works really well on the large screen devices. You know, I expect there to be, you know, um, a couple more builds before we get to the really stable stuff. I mean, you were talking there about uh, doing the in-place updates and, you know, restoring um, backups and things like that. I think we may be a little bit further away because... Um, it's still likely probably to be September or October for, before this is finalised, although, of course, we are getting much closer to the point at which it needs to be a, a little more fixed so it can start going out to manufacturers. Um, there are a whole bunch of other issues listed on the kind of the Microsoft uh, post about this, uh, things around um, you know, there being freezes in certain situations and uh, being unable to lock your phone. And, um Read through all of them because it's worth knowing uh, if you come across it. It's not you doing something stupid. It's actually there's a kind of a bug in the release. But this is one that was released, I think, through the uh, fast release cycle. So you'd expect it to have a few more of these and rather than kind of the more stable update uh, process. But all in all, it's, it's starting to look increasingly impressive, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the caveats I mentioned just now about how to actually perform the update and get your data back on, of course, we should recognize that Within a couple of months, when they start releasing this thing, they're going to have to present it in a form where it does a full over-the-air install over everyone's data, apps, and settings, and everything gets re retained as far as possible. And uh, that's going to be quite impressive to see them pull off, given the uh, the shenanigans we're currently going through. But uh, I'm guessing that all comes in the last month or so of uh, debugging and, and just absolute soak testing on as many devices and as many users as possible. At the moment, um, as I say, I think it is a bit of a pain. I've spent most of the afternoon, Rafe, trying to get Windows 10 Mobile on a Lumia 530, and I've given up. I've completely given up. It, it will. I've cleared the I've done a factory reset the phone. I've cleared the SD card, and still it will not install. Um, so <laughs> there are clearly issues with the current build with some of the the lower um, devices in terms of storage base. The 530 may even be left out. Who knows? Maybe the 530 will be one of those devices. They say, we're not going to push the update. It will just break too many people's devices. They, you can't expect everyone to be a geek and to, to, re to clear absolutely everything just to get a new build of the OS on. So uh, I think it's early days for those lower end devices. And I've got a couple of articles. We may talk about one of them later in this podcast, just looking at how Windows 10 Mobile is going to roll out to the full range of Windows devices. Yeah, no, so overall, I think this is a really excellent update. But, you know, uh, we've talked in the past about whether you can live with it as a day-to-day -day device. And actually, I think you're, you're pretty close here. I probably wouldn't put it on the main device, but you might want to think about having a device that you keep as kind of your, you know, main device. But you might want to put your main SIM so you can actually try this out for a few days or even a few weeks. Um, if things do go wrong, actually, a reboot is often the, the thing to do. That kind of fixes things. Um, there's a few things where Outlook Mail seems to... Uh, get stuck and particularly things to be happening with Gmail accounts. Uh, but as you said, there's a, a whole bunch of testing to come in terms of being able to support those in-place updates. Uh, but of course, I guess there's only, don't start thinking about those until you've kind of got everything on the back end 
uh, finalized and that's you know where we're getting closer to and actually the whole point of this insider program i suspect is to be collecting data from a wider pool of test devices and i'm sure every time there's one of those in place updates or there's installs going on microsoft are collecting data as part of the insider program all the time and that's obviously aimed at trying to make that transition as smooth as possible because one thing i think certainly fair to say is this will be the biggest ever windows phone or windows 10 mobile update that i can remember you know given that we had the uh, the whole hassle around 7.5 to 8 and actually we've kind of 8 to 8.1 was relatively minor I mean, back then we thought it was a big deal but really nothing on the move to windows 10 mobile and there is so much that is changing um, both in terms of the actual kind of operating system the platform all the settings but also the apps as well and kind of pulling off that juggling act and especially as it's getting increasingly complicated with more apps and cloud services to take into account you know it, uh, i kind of watch slightly with bated breath to see what will happen but uh, i guess the proof will be in the pudding yeah yeah of course it's a big update it's 1.9 more than the previous os version <laughs> rate <laughs> moving away from facetiousness um on that staying on that windows 10 mobile um um context i did put up an article today right windows 10 mobile and ram there are there are two big concerns with this you know new version of the operating system coming to us all um one is what will happen on the lower ram devices for example 512 megabytes as many of the budget phones are um and secondly what will happen with the different older and slower processors for example the snapdragon 200 the, the new slow one um, but also the older S4 is running at uh, dual core one gigahertz, and uh, I've been also say testing the Winston Mobile on the Lumia 520, and things haven't exactly been rosy. So I'm going to write this up in two parts. The first part went live today as we record this on the Tuesday, and if you wanted to bring up the table, Rafe, Windows 10 Mobile and RAM comparing the Lumia 630 with the 1520, so kind of not com the complete opposite ends, but certainly 512 versus two gig of RAM. I was expecting to see quite a few differences in practice apart from web browsing there, there was almost no difference i was pleasantly surprised that uh, devices like the 630 um, presented a very usable experience now they haven't got quite the same number of pixels to throw around but also there's a quarter the amount of ram so i think the 630 did pretty well and i'm i'm kind of cheered that that kind of lower mid-tier of device um, is, is going to do fairly well with windows 10 mobile yeah, I think you deserve to go and stand in the corner for your scepticism and your pessimism, Steve, <laughs> because uh, Windows Phone's always been good at running on the kind of lower end uh, hardware. And actually, one of the things we've remarked in the past is it's quite difficult unless you put them side by side to see the differences. And um, as your table shows, actually, you're seeing exactly the same thing here with Windows 10 for mobile. Um, that's pretty remarkable for something that's effectively still an alpha piece of software where you would actually expect there to be uh, performance tweaks to come now i will say that in practice when you start using your devices you will occasionally notice the you know the slow process the extra ram you have already identified web browsing you know, that can be quite processor intensive particularly on a, a big page with a lot of rendering to do and you know you both got the platform and the new browser app so i think it's kind of a, a double whammy there but also when you're processing video or photos I mean, I've noticed on the Luma 830, which is kind of a, a Snapdragon 400 device, um, that it can sometimes fall over when it's doing things around Lumia moments or some of the hyperlapse type video stuff. Um, and that's on, you know, perfectly stable thing. And, uh, you know, I suspect that's down to memory or process constraints sometimes to fall over. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. It's just occasional. Whereas on the, something like the 930 or the 1520, it does tend to be rock steady and you don't have to worry about such things. But actually, it's amazing, really, that it is 
as stable as it is. Now, obviously, the, the 630 is one of the slightly more modern devices. There are going to be all kinds of um, S4 devices out there and some of the earlier uh, lower spec devices as well. Um, but in terms of kind of the big mass market the device that have come out in the last year, it looks like every one of them is going to be supported and going to be working very smoothly. So you know, credit to the engineers. Um, it was looking at your table. I was kind of amazed to see, you know, with very few exceptions, it was, you know, a matter of 10%. And as I say, I suspect it wasn't, it's only if you put them side by side that you'd really notice those differences. I suspect, um, be interesting to see in the final version, it may well be that the, there's actually a bigger difference because some of the efficiencies, you know, they'll obviously have more of an impact on something like the, uh, Snapdragon 800 in relative terms. Um, and so those gaps may widen a little, but even so, uh, one of the things about particularly the more recent builds of Windows 10 for mobile has performance has, has improved a lot. And actually where it's been a bit of a problem, it's either been a known issue or it's where there's a bit of a, a kludgy fix going on. Um, don't get me wrong, there, there's still room for improvement, but uh, given the reputation some of the other platforms have got for having updates and then having phones become glacial, glacially slow, particularly the older ones, it's actually looking pretty good for Windows. So I think it's going to maintain its reputation for kind of excellent performance across all types of hardware. Yeah, of course, it may be a slightly different story when we're looking at processors. And I so said that's an article I'll be publishing probably Indeed. on uh, Thursday morning. And uh, these, certainly the 520, which was the S4, um, one, one gigahertz, I would say the, I haven't computed all uh, all the various tables yet, but the, the the wait times for the user for those same operations up to twice as long in many cases. And that started to get a bit of an issue. Now I need to do more tests against more devices. So uh, hopefully I'll have all that put, pulled together in the next couple of days. Yeah. But uh, I think the processor time may be a, an issue. And of course there were lots of 520 souls. The 520 is kind of a crucial device. And I wonder whether Microsoft might even make some final tweaks specifically for those old S4 devices. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. You're right. They're still the kind of most uh, installed device in a number of markets, including I think just about the UK, although I know the uh, 635 has been breathing down its neck in, in that respect. The other thing, of course, we aren't really talking about it being loaded down with data. And like kind of any smartphone, you will notice uh, performance uh, kind of, I think, depredations is probably the way to explain it. If you've got loads and loads of things running on the device and lots of data stored. And I mean, a good example of that is uh, the Photos app, which can sometimes slow down a bit if you have a couple of thousand photos in it is probably a cue for Steve to say, actually, you need to spend some time <laughs> spring cleaning your device, right? You really shouldn't have that many uh, photos stored on your device. But of course, on the 830, I'm benefiting from a nice big micro SD card and lots and lots of photos on it. And actually, the, the thing that when it ends up annoying me, you can see I've obviously had a personal bugbear in turning that into that <laughs> anecdote into a bit of data. Uh, it's actually been when I've been trying to share it from other applications. It's fine within the Photos app itself, but if I try and send a photo via to Twitter or, or WhatsApp, sometimes that kind of sharing dialogue breaks down and doesn't show the photos. Now, usually I can get around it by swiping across to albums and choosing it that way. Um, but actually, it's you know I've said in the past that I've never really noticed any slowdown on the 830. Now that it's you know had kind of nine months worth of usage and it's got basically nine months a day because I haven't taken anything off it ever. And it's got loads of apps installed on it. There is some, but compared to uh, the Android device that I've been having uh, running a similar length of time, it's sort of a night and day difference. So it really is the case that uh, you know Windows Phone has a very well deserved reputation for. Uh, handling performance, even if you're kind of like me and being lazy, not cleaning or spring cleaning your device, which 
I know Steve Lickure reset my device if a drop of a hat does on a very regular basis. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Steve. I've, re- <laughs> I've reset and reflashed. I think it was eight smartphones in the last seven days I worked out, which was kind of scary, but yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> been a light week for you then. <laughs> Let's change tack. Uh, Microsoft's been doing some rebrandings. And I, I, I'm not sure how significant these are, but they're certainly notable. Um, Xbox Music and Xbox Videos, both of which... I've been railing against the naming for it, well, ever since they came out, really. I think it was with their 8.1 first appeared. Um, and in, in, in kind of snarky st- style, whenever I've mentioned either of them, I've been tempted and quite often done, put the Xbox bit in brackets to show the fact that even Microsoft didn't actually include the full name half the time. Certainly, I didn't want to. Um, they've now decided to drop Xbox completely in terms of the branding, and it's now it's now movies and TV, which makes sense. And they've changed music to Groove, which is kind of a strange decision. Why they didn't just call it Microsoft Music, I do not know. But uh, any comments on the name changes? Yeah, well, on on the Groove side, I mean, the 70s called and want their, their word back. Um, I'm uh-huh. assuming there's some kind of um, registration block or, or something that means they can't use Microsoft Music, because that would have been the obvious thing to do. Um, you know, I can remember when the Xbox branding first came out, you were railing against it. And I was trying to defend it on the basis that, you know, it was a unified kind of entertainment brand. And I still kind of like that idea, if I'm honest, but I don't think it's really caught people's imagination. And it kind of makes sense to switch that back again. Because as you rightly said, you know, people were kind of often ignoring the brand and, you know, you have the same thing across uh, all the Windows 10 devices. It kind of makes sense. And Xbox then becomes a brand, which is very much a thing that sits under your your TV as the kind of entertainment console and actually separate out the services uh, from that, and that kind of does make sense. And I wonder whether we'll see something similar happen for for games, whether the kind of the Xbox brand will be de-emphasised there, which has kind of already been happening a little bit uh, over the kind of the last little period. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense to have more generic brands, and we've seen sort of similar things happen from Google and Apple. You know, Apple, I guess, is a good example. Uh, Apple Music um, and the way that that's changed it. Honestly, it's a simpler way to understand it. You know, those services are actually one of the things you kind of tend to adopt when you're uh, in the, the the ecosystem that you choose. And so, you know, people start making investments and that's just one where there's a kind of big lock-in factors for some people, at least. Uh, music may be less so given that everything is DRM-free these days, which is a nice change from the dim and distant past. Uh, but movies and TV is certainly still that. And one of the interesting things about Microsoft is, of course, because it's not... Uh, uh, number one in mobile or even number two uh, they've actually made all of their um, services available on other devices and so it's very easy to get what was uh, export movies and tv and now movies and tv on android or on ios or indeed on kind of smart tvs and obviously it ties in with the xbox console as well so it's actually a pretty smart one to use if you want it to be as cross-platform if you like me using multiple devices i've got a few investments made into um, the xbox video so I've kind of got a a weathered eye on this uh, rebrand. In terms of all the uh, Xbox music passes and kind of the streaming services, this really is just a rebrand. It's going to change over to Groove passes. Um, There isn't sort of any big service change happening on the back end, which I think is a good thing. A bit of continuation, just a bit of uh, user education maybe to do. Um, And I know that some people absolutely swear by those passes as being a good value way to get music and get it everywhere. Um, it is a big change that's happening. I suspect, Steve, you're probably still one that has a, a big music collection of MP3 files. I've sort of got a foot in each camp. Um, I still do have my big 
big music library, but increasingly I'm kind of listening to streaming services and something like Mix Radio, uh, kind of the ex Nokia company that's now part of Line, um, actually provides me with quite a bit of the music I listen to because I tend not to be fussed about one thing in particular. When I feel in the mood for a bit of music, I you know just want to hit play and, and get a few things and let it do the uh, mixing for me. Um, but for some people, music is a, a very big deal. And so actually, I think this rebrand is worth commenting on um, because uh, it is going to change the name that you see every day, even if the, the service is exactly as it was. Yeah, as you say, the groove is very much a, a word from my childhood, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> I, I think it'll do fair enough. The, the, we're, the, the trend at the moment is for kind of hip and groovy and cool names. You know, Apple Beats is another example of example. Um, and there are others. Is it Tidal? It's another streaming Indeed. service and, and various others. So I think Groove kind of fits in with that sort of uh, ecosphere of, of, of trendy music service names. Anyway, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it it's ir- irritating to see yet another brand change. You kind of think, would you stick with something and stay with it? Uh, because obviously we've had Xbox Music and Movies TV, and that kind of lasted the curation of uh, Windows Phone 8. And it just gets a bit bit tiring to, to see all that. You know, presumably they make investments and marketing investments, people start to recognise the name, and then you start all over again. I guess if you're going to do it with Windows 10, it is a big change, and there is going to be a lot more continuity between the desktop and tablets and mobile. So it's, it's you know, it's the logical time to do it. Um, but part of me sort of mutters darkly, you know, there wasn't much wrong with the Xbox brand. I kind of quite like that. Um, but maybe uh, Microsoft has other plans for that. I have to wait and see. Uh, one b- plug for an article before we just finish with an app pick, perhaps. Uh, the, the article was when the going gets tough, and it's all about off-road mapping. And I don't want to discuss it in particular detail with Rave, because uh, this is actually part one of the feature. I would have said it was the whole feature, but then the very helpful commenters and our wonderful readers on the site then popped up with three or four more suggestions for me to cover in my roundup. So I'm going to have to do a part two, Rafe, as I did with the podcasting applications, a, a part two or a version two of the feature in which I d- basically double the size of the roundups. So I know off-road mapping is a subject close to your heart, and hopefully version two of my feature, which will come out next week, will uh, meet with your satisfaction. Oh, okay. Well, I look forward to reading that because I know there's a couple of apps in the current roundup that um, I do use myself. And so be intrigued to see what else uh, has been recommended discovered. I'll have to probably have a sneaky look through the comments before uh, Steve <laughs> publishes his, his next piece. Do you want a, an, a, an app pick from me, Steve, or have you got one ready to go? Well, I'll, I'll go first. Um, this is Superbike 2015. Now, I, I'm, I'm not one for following motorcycle racing, or so I thought. Uh, I'm not really familiar with the characters or the bikes or the classifications. And I thought, well, let's give it a try. This is a, a, a motorcycling, as the title suggests, SBK15 is the short short version of the title. Um, super bike racing from a first-person perspective, and you scream your bike round corners and you lean into it, and it, you really get into it. The, it. the developers have done an amazing job, and it works even on the 512 megabyte RAM devices, of creating a, a, a virtual 3D environment with uh, riders you can... Uh, zoom up to overtake, crash into, and yes, you both go sprawling. You don't break any arms or legs. It's all virtual. It's tremendous fun. It's very exciting. Um, and I read the go read the full review. It's it's. I really really surprised me. Most of these t- titles tend to completely go off the of the wrong end of the spectrum in terms of freemium. They completely go off the wrong end of the spectrum in terms of load times. You see, drumming your fingers for 45 seconds while something loads. This was surprisingly speedy, surprisingly fast, surprisingly fluid, runs on virtually every device and isn't tremendously expensive. So, uh, yeah, and if, you're, if you're into racing and into excitement, SBK15, that's my pick. 
Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. I can't say I'm a biking fan, but it sounds a lot safer than the real thing. And it sounds, uh, <laughs> from the screenshots as well, it looks like a, a great game. And um, the app that I want to talk about briefly is Instanote. Now, this is from Microsoft. It's actually out of their uh, kind of garage selection, which is where they kind of do experimental things with apps out of their research labs. Um, and what this does is it kind of makes note-taking in meetings as easy as uh, as it can be kind of the idea is that you know when you're in a meeting you need to concentrate on the conversation and it can be difficult to take high quality notes but with instant when you hear something important with a, a simple touch you can capture the last 30 seconds or actually a configurable amount of audio and it will try and transcribe it on the back end using the Bing services. And you can basically use it to assign actions and tasks to various people. But what's clever to me about it is it's kind of this idea of retro note taking, a bit like the kind of the smart imaging you get on the, the camera as well. It kind of looks back to the last 30 seconds. Obviously, it's been listening. It's presumably on a, a constant recording loop and grabs that bit and then puts it onto a note. Um, what really impressed me actually was really the implementation of the app, the way that it integrates seamlessly with uh, the calendar with that's on your phone. And obviously you do have to be set up and using the right things. And obviously if you've got an exchange system, that's going to make things uh, particularly good. But also it, it was able to sign in using my Microsoft account and integrate both with OneDrive and with OneNote. And so if you're using either of those as a place to store your notes, you'll you'll really like this app because it's kind of fully integrated. Because at first I thought, oh, not another note-taking system. You know, I want it to integrate with where my notes already are. Um, and so actually I'm probably the perfect person for this because I'm using OneNote and OneDrive for a lot of that kind of uh, note-taking. And actually, you know, I only had to enter my password once and give it permission to access things. And so it was the degree of integration. Quite often these apps are kind of standalone. But the fact it was able to integrate with OneDrive, with OneNote, with my Microsoft ID, um, with Exchange, and all the information that's already on my phone because, you know, it'll it will show, say, a list of meetings I've got coming up so I can select that meeting and it will then automatically do all the categorization of the notes attributed to that meeting with the various bits of metadata rather than you having to laboriously manually enter things. It will do the audio capture for you. So I've given it a quick go and it worked very well in kind of the couple of meetings I've tried and I'm going to give it a bit of a longer test and report back. Uh, it is, as I say, a Microsoft Garage project and so sort of not guaranteed to be around forever. But um, I'd recommend it for people who are interested in seeing what really clever integration between apps can do and definitely believe that's something we'll see more of in the future. Maybe developers take a look at, you know, how you can actually integrate and be part of the kind of the Microsoft ecosystem. And actually, it probably doesn't matter. It could be running on Android or iOS. But actually, this is a great example of where app gets real extra value from being able to, you know, deeply integrate into you know, the, the wider Microsoft system, if you like, um, and that gives it a significant leg up over any competing app, which you know, these notes ones are quite often stuck in the side. It can be hard to get the data out or you have to get the data in from something else. So yeah, really, really very interesting app. And that's Instanote. It's free, available from the Windows Phone store. Uh, well, see, I can't find it in the store. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, Rafe, with perhaps A, linking to it in the show notes, and B, perhaps doing the review on this one, because uh -huh. I haven't even, I didn't even know about the app. Uh, there we go. So I've been able to give you a proper app tip this week, even if you can't download it. <laughs> I think we're out of time, Rafe. Let's keep this podcast the usual length, and then we'll be back next week for more. So uh, I'll say goodbye, and I'll leave Rafe to sign off. Yes, thank you, Steve, and thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to this podcast, as ever. And um, we'll be back in about a week's time. As ever, if you've got any questions or comments, do let us know via all the usual channels. But until then, thank you very much for listening.